We are so excited to share our podcast sponsor for this season of Millennial Women Talk, the American Heart Association Hispanic Serving Institution Scholars Program. The mission and vision of the HSI Scholars Program is to provide an academic year of scientific research experience, professional mentorship, leadership skills, workshops, and cultural competence training to promising undergraduate students at HSIs. The program aims to prepare future physicians, nurses, researchers, healthcare administrators, and public health professionals. The HSI Scholars Program will also award a stipend scholarship to a total of 30 students, representing institutions in Florida, Puerto Rico, Chicago, Houston, New York, and Los Angeles. As Latinas ourselves, we strongly support Hispanic-serving institutions across our country. The inaugural year of the program was widely successful, and we are thrilled to announce that 30 new finalists will be a part of the second year. Students who are a part of the program will have the opportunity to attend the American Heart Association Scientific Session in Chicago this year and get connected with the association's healthcare network that is ongoing and could lead to potential career opportunities. We want to thank the American Heart Association Hispanic Serving Institution Scholars Program for sponsoring this season of Millennial Women Talk. We are honored to support their mission of serving diverse researchers and healthcare professionals by providing undergraduate students with academic and career enriching resources. Our community deserves access to education in order to build better health equity. If you or someone you know is interested in entering the HSI Scholars Program, check out the link in the description for more details. And now let's jump into today's episode. Hey everybody, I'm Melissa Carcace and I'm Stephanie Carcace and we're two sisters and your hosts of Millennial Women Talk. Yes, we have a great episode for you guys today. Steph, do you want to let everybody know who's on the show today? Yes, we got the chance to speak with Dr. Eduardo Sanchez, who is the Chief Medical Officer for Prevention for the American Heart Association. And this was a really good episode. Oh, it was so good. We talked all about how to prevent heart disease and stroke and heart attacks. We even talked a little bit about nutrition, what your plate should look like, what kind of fruits and vegetables should be on your plate, even portion control. Guys, this is packed with valuable, valuable information. You definitely want to check this out. So without further ado, let's jump into today's episode. Dr. Eduardo Sanchez, welcome to our show. Thank you so much for being here with us. Thank you so much for inviting me. It's a real pleasure. Of course. So tell us a little bit about you and your passion and kind of your journey in this medical field. Man, it's a long journey. Uh, but um, <laughs> uh, So uh, me llamo Eduardo Sanchez. Um, my parents uh, were born and raised in the Dominican Republic. Um, I actually was born in Montpelier, Vermont, which is just kind of the craziest thing ever. But um, that's <laughs> what happened. Um, uh, my life journey um, included spending all the summers of my life in the Dominican Republic uh, with my grandparents and without my parents, but with my siblings and my cousins. And that's really important because it helped me develop a sense of identity and a sense of pride about who I was, what I was and where I came from. Um, that journey also took me to New York City, um, as I like to say, all Dominicans uh, who are in the United States at some point or other touch um, New York City. 
my grandmother was living there for uh, some of the years that we lived there. And then my family moved to Corpus Christi, Texas, um, which was um, a bit of a change in um, the cultural landscape. However, Corpus Christi is a community that is um, still about 45% Mexican, Mexican-American. And so I wasn't somebody who felt out of place with a name like Eduardo Sanchez. Um, mm. uh, and my life's journey uh, included parents who um, unconditionally loved me, despite the fact that I was quite mischievous and um, got into <laughs> trouble. Uh, but there was no um, confusing um, being punished for what I did with their love. Um, and I also grew up in a home where uh, the notion of um, can always striving to learn a little bit more was valued and encouraged. Uh, and so I uh, did pretty well in school, uh, went to college at Boston University, uh, where I, I was able to uh, further um, um, explore my Latinidad um, uh, in a student group called Circulos Latinoamericanos. Um, and I also explored through some of the courses I took on Latin American history, again, reinforcing my own Latinidad. Um, I majored in biomedical engineering uh, and um, uh, that journey took me to determining, deciding that uh, maybe I would become um, a physician, um, going mm -hmm. down the path of um, uh, applying to medical school, uh, going to medical school in Dallas, Texas, deciding that I was really interested in um, family medicine, um, and then having the great opportunity to do my family medicine residency in San Antonio. And, and I will say that um, um, why San Antonio uh, is because as I thought about my Latinidad and what value I might bring as a physician to being a physician in the United States, I looked for residency programs in family medicine that had a very high percentage of Latino faculty. Um, and I landed, uh, uh, San Antonio was one, um, uh, New Mexico, uh, University of New Mexico was the other. Uh, San Antonio was way closer to home, Corpus Christi. Um, yeah. uh, and it was just a terrific, a terrific experience for me. Um, and then the last part of this Latinidad is that the patients I took care of as a family medicine resident in San Antonio were largely Latino. Many of them spoke only Spanish. Um, and so I was able to serve, be served, <clears throat> learn from um, the patients I took care of about the importance of that Latinidad in taking care of patients. So um, uh, here I am. Last thing is that as I took care of so many people with type two diabetes, I began thinking about um, how can I apply what I do one-on-one -on -one as a doctor um, to populations, to bigger groups. And I became very, very interested in public health, um, which added to my training as a family medicine doc. And my career landed me at one point as the first and only Latino state health officer in Texas. I ran the wow. state's health department for five years um, and uh, have been with the American Heart Association for nine years with a stint at Blue Cross Blue Shield of Texas in between. So that is my entire life. Um, I hope that's <laughs> I love it. From, from birth to, to uh, now, to that's now. beautiful. I, I mean, Fantastic. I do have to ask you a serious question, doctor. As you know, my fiance is Dominican. Do you guys have mangu at the house? Do you guys eat that <laughs> for breakfast like I do? At so, least I do in the weekends. 
<laughs> so um, what we I, we don't eat manguba. We eat um, platanos um, at least two to three days a week. And just yesterday, okay. talking to um, one of our children, I was um, commenting that um, at a a, a recent um, 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 ice breaking of what would you want your last meal to be? Um, kind of morose, but but it was what it was. Um, my my uh, answer was I don't care what it is, but it has to have platano maduro. Yes. So um, I'm a Dominican through and through, uh, and I drink Santo Domingo coffee Dominican. every single morning. <laughs> I love amazing. it. I love it. You you speak a lot about also prevention, right? And I think especially amongst you know the Hispanic community, and you also mentioned type two diabetes. Talk to us a little bit about how even culture can play a huge part in really um, heart disease right? Mm -hmm. Things of that nature. Talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah, culture, culture can play a big role. But um, the good news is that there are many things we can do to improve our cardiovascular health. Um, Y'all may know that uh, the American Heart Association has um, transitioned from Life Simple 7 to Life Simple 8. And I think it's important mm -hmm. for me to mention Life Simple 8 and what those things are, because Life Simple 8 are the keys um, are the, the key or the keys for all of us at whatever stage of life that we're in to um, improve our cardiovascular health. So the eight things are, um, four of them are, um, and I say four because four of them are lifestyle related, um, eating healthy, being physically active, not smoking, and getting plenty of sleep. The mm -hmm. other four are, um, are kind of downstream a little bit, but they're cardiovascular risk factors that are affected by the first four, but also can be affected by what one does. Um, uh, one's weight, blood pressure, blood glucose, blood cholesterol. If a person can get to better on those eight things, um, the likelihood of a long, healthy life improves dramatically. And coming from a family of um, Dominicans who have lived to their 80s and 90s, and I think about the things wow. that characterize the lives of my aunts, uncles, and grandparents, um, those, those, those four things were very much a part of it. Smoking was never um, a big thing in, in my family. My, my dad was a smoker for a while, but in my extended family, not very much at all. Um, physical activity um, while uh, people did work every day, um, if uh, you know if you're married to a Dominican, then you must know how to dance merengue. And um, I do. You know, I am a person who <laughs> believes really strongly that sometimes when we talk about physical activity, let's think about how we talk about it in the context of culture. And for yeah. um, so many Latinos, um, um, particularly my generation and a little older, but 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 I, I don't even want to be stereo stereotype at all. Um, um, dancing is physical activity, punto. And then lastly, getting plenty of sleep um, is a thing that was uh, um, in the Dominican Republic. Um, the, the, the after lunch siesta, the nap was a thing. Um, and so that adds to um, the quantity and quality of sleep. And then the other four things, um, if you're taking care of yourself, you might be able to prevent or delay the other four. And if they were to happen, um, you start managing them the right way. So 
Does culture get it? And, and oh, by the way, again, let me just think about summers in the Dominican Republic, lots of fruits, lots of vegetables right. every right. single day. And so culturally, um, Latinos can align with a very healthy lifestyle that can lead to those long, healthy lives into your 90s or into your 80s. So wait, are you encouraging that. siestas? Oh, man, <laughs> I, you know, right now at this point in my life, I live for the weekend because I love to take naps. And as a person <laughs> yeah. who, um, so one, I saw it culturally, but really more importantly, in medical school and in residency, naps is how I survive. Because sometimes mm. at night you can't control what's going on. Um, right. and, and even in medical school, I'll just share. I used to ride my bike um, to class and back um, here in Dallas, and which is where I'm, I'm speaking from. And um, I could ride my bike to uh, my house, um, eat lunch, get in the couch, take a 15 minute power nap, ride my bike back. And I was, I was good. Um, and I wouldn't say that 15 minutes is enough. It's just that sometimes that's what you need. It helps you um, concentrate better. So um, am I a, a proponent of naps? Yeah. Um, I think that they line up with, um, you know, with good health. Do we all need them? No. Uh, but if it's something right. that um, um, you can incorporate into your life or want to, there is no reason not to do that. Yeah. I love that. You know, doctor, it's um, a lot of us, especially our generation and in our Latino community, we really take this advice seriously, right? So we have our health in check. We're sleeping. We're eating right. We're taking supplements. We're doing all the things. Right. But yet somebody like, for example, my sister-in-law, who's in her early 30s, uh, you know, suffered a stroke, you know, a couple years ago. Um, celebrities like Hailey Bieber in her 20s just yeah. suffered a stroke. You know, what what can we do? Is there a test? Like how how can we go beyond the, the, the four steps right. to really try to see if there's anything that we can do to prevent stroke and heart disease? Yeah. So first of all, let me express my sincerest condolences uh, for your sister-in-law. Uh, not an easy thing um, to have a stroke at any time in life. Yeah. Um, the good news is that um, in general, uh, we have ways now, um, as opposed to 30 or 40 years ago, to get people back to some, um, some degree of normality, if not almost fully back to normal. I, I hope your sister-in-law is in that category of doing she, better. She is. That's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. And that's a testament to um, the work that the American Heart Association, American Stroke Association does on the side of what to do when something bad happens. But what you're asking me is how do we prevent those bad things from happening? Yeah. So uh, let me just say one thing very, very um, clearly is that life's essential aid are a recipe that works for most people, not necessarily every single person. That's one thing. However, the degree to which you're good on life simple, uh, life's essential aid and something bad does happen is the degree to which you will recover and perhaps achieve normality um, sooner. So that life's essential aid applies every, from, from before you've ever had anything that even looks like a disease all the way to having a serious disease. The degree to which life's essential aid are being managed is the degree to which life is going to be longer and healthier. Now, let's go back to your question. Uh, one thing is that we should, um, with some regularity, be checking in with physicians because not only are there cardiovascular health issues, there's other health issues that should be addressed, whether that's vaccines being up to date. Um, and let me just take this opportunity to say COVID-19 vaccines work, the boosters work, 
Um, they will keep you from being hospitalized and or dying, and they will help protect. They will help you protect those more vulnerable people in your families um, from getting sick. So I live in a home with my mother-in-law who's 84 years old, and so I have to be extra careful because if I get sick, then I got to make sure that um, we keep her well away from us. So that's my right. um, that's my public health message. But there's other things, cancer screening, et cetera, and so on. So we should regularly check in with our physicians. Um, and when I say regular, I'd say, you know, every uh, 12 months is ideal. 18 months is stretching it out a little bit more than you should. Um, but at that time, going over your cardiovascular health, which includes yeah. family history, which includes talking about lifestyle, which includes doing what's called a um, atherosclerotic cardiovascular disease risk assessment way, way, way too many syllables in each of those words, but it is a way to uh, determine whether um, down the road in 10 years, there's a chance that something um, untoward might happen. Those are the things that I think people should do. Life's essential aid, checking in with um, your regular uh, medical provider um, and making sure that they're doing the things that can assess your risk of having something happen, whether it's how you live your life, what your family history is, um, or uh, or a risk uh, assessment um, using the tool that I mentioned. What I is like that? Because you're talking about family history. Like, what is that percentage of if somebody in your family, let's say, it was your father that has disease, right? Like, that's kind of close. It's not a super far relative. Like, your great grandmother had disease, but like, let's just say, in our example, our father has heart disease. What is that percentage? of the possibility of one of his three children potentially right. having it. Is this really like a hereditary kind of thing? Like talk to us a little bit more about the family history and specifically on diseases. Yeah, some of it, some of it is hereditary. Off the top of my head, I, I, I can't tell you absolute percentages, but let me tell right, you what right. the good news is. Let me tell you what the good okay. news is. The good news is that um, there have been the studies done. Let's go back to Life's Essential Eight. There are the studies that have been done that have demonstrated that even in persons with genetic predisposition, that is not even just family history. So family history is going to be my father had a heart attack in his 50s. That's a family history. But but right. um, genetic predisposition is you've got a genetic marker that suggests that you're at higher risk. Um, um, there are studies that demonstrate that even with that genetic predisposition, getting your life's essential aid in order will reduce the manifestation um, of that of that genetic risk factor. So lifestyle can protect you not from every single genetic um, um, um predisposition, let me be clear, but it can provide a high degree of protection. So yeah. I would say always, 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 always focus on the lifestyle stuff that you can do. During the pandemic, um, as the American Heart Association was um, trying to A, inform the public about COVID and cardiovascular disease, um, but also trying to talk to AHA employees about, you know, how life as an AHA uh, employee what might look like over the mm -hmm. course of the uh, of the um, uh, of the pandemic. Um, Larry Cannon, our chief administrative officer, um, says something that sticks in my mind because I think it applies to so many things: control the controllables. So mm. the degree to which you can control mm -hmm. things, um, do that. Life's essential aid you can control. 
your genetic predisposition you cannot control. You can modify it by getting the life's essential eight in order. Um, So um, I can't tell you the exact um, percentages. It is important to know um, about your parents, your grandparents, your tias and tios that might have um, some manifestation of heart disease and stroke, just so that when you do have that conversation with your provider, you can share that information and that person then can determine, is this something that we want to follow up um, with a blood test? So um, something called familial hypercholesterolemia. Again, there's Mm -hmm. nothing about medicine that um, makes it easy to say the words you got to say, but what that means is high cholesterol um, by families um, and that family uh, connection is genetic um, and there are tests that can be done to determine that. Um, In a conversation with your doctor where you might say, well, um, some of my family members have very high cholesterol because families ought to talk a little bit about disease. You don't need to talk about everything, but knowing what's going on is really important so that you can then chart your future in a way that uh, can be informed by those things that are connections to family. Yeah, I love that. What What are some of those blood tests that we could be asking for when we go in for our checkups? So listen, I, I think the essential ones are, um, again, um, essential was the key word. Life's yeah. essential aid is the center of that universe. And so um, um, uh, there's two blood tests and then one test that ought to be done almost any time. Well, the one test ought to be done anytime you see a, a, a doctor and that is your a, your blood pressure being checked. Because if your blood pressure is high, um, that ought to be confirmed and that ought to be addressed. Um, okay. High blood pressure is the number one um, modifiable risk factor for serious cardiovascular disease. Um, it, it now has passed smoking. But if there were wow. two things that I would say to people that they ought to do, is not smoke, and if you have high blood pressure, get it under control. So high blood pressure should be checked um, anytime you go in to see the doctors. It's relatively easy to do. Um, But the two blood tests that ought to be done um, um, once for screening and then um, further, and then then, um, based on how that scores, um, uh, other times, um, uh, you know, in subsequent years or years, would be your blood glucose or what's called hemoglobin A1C. That's Mm -hmm. a measure of um, the degree to which your sugar in your blood might be elevated and be um, leading to or already led to diabetes. Um, And then the other is a cholesterol screening so that you can know um, whether your cholesterol level is so high that it needs to be addressed, addressed immediately even while, because let me get this, let me get this out. Even if your blood pressure is good, even if your blood glucose is good, even if your blood cholesterol is good, not smoking, healthy eating, physical activity, and plenty of sleep is still part of the program. Um, so that yeah. you stay good for longer or you stay good forever. Um, so people who have um, good markers on life's essential eight at 50 years old are people who are going to live into their 80s and 90s without the burden of bad things like heart attacks, strokes, and heart failure. So I want to talk a little bit about that because it's so funny. Like I think that um, I know quite a bit of people that really 
I guess you would say like lead unhealthy lives, right? In a way of like what you're doing, nothing of what you're talking about, like kind of like crazy party lifestyles or just eating McDonald's fast food all the time, like things like that. Um, But they go to the doctor, nothing's wrong. Their blood work is fine. They don't have high blood pressure. Do you think that that will catch up to them eventually? Like, what are your thoughts on that? So the good news is these aren't just my thoughts. I think that if you were to look at the literature, the literature will say that eventually catches up with most people um, because yeah. um, the, it, it, it's life is essential eight because they are eight factors that um, all together add to cardiovascular health. And so what we find, and remember I said age 50 because about between age 45 and 55 is when things start manifesting that were um, perhaps um, just percolating um, so that um, not so healthy lifestyle can start leading to blood pressure that starts creeping up or to blood glucose that starts creeping up or of course cholesterol that starts creeping up and never mind the weight gain that happens. So mm-hmm. one can be relatively fit and have obesity But the truth is that when we look at um, over time, uh, that obesity will catch up to people and um, increase the likelihood of high blood pressure, diabetes, and hypercholesterolemia. So that's a really, really good question um, because uh, it can appear that you're good because when you're in your 20s and 30s, Your age protects you. So another Mm. non-modifiable risk factor that must be mentioned is age. Um, I cannot cannot be a 40-year-old ever again, Um, although I can be a person who works out or does a level of physical activity that I might have done when I was 40. I'm never going to be 40 again. And so age is one of those things that is that catch-up factor. It will catch up to you, and if you're not good on the others – then age plus the other things are going to result in a higher likelihood of high blood pressure, high cholesterol, obesity, diabetes, and then the worst stuff, heart attacks, strokes, and heart heart failure. I love that. That's so good. I do want to say another thing, because I I think you're heading into nutrition, right, Mel? A little. I'm feeling you in that. And you know, we talk a lot on this show just about nutrition in general. wellness. And I think for millennials too, you know, especially our friends, like everybody's kind of doing something different. One is vegan. Another one is keto. Like I think the kind of overall messaging on what eating healthy actually means is very different, I guess, amongst people. But what would be your opinion when it comes to nutrition? Like what is eating healthy in your opinion? So again, the great thing is I don't need to opine because um, where AHA is, I think it aligns with the science. Um, and so um, you will see in um, the Life's Essential 8 documents, if, if, uh, and, and I would say to you, anyone who's uh, listening or watching, if you uh, search Life's Essential 8, American Heart Association, it's going to take you there. Um, but the essential elements of a healthy diet, per the science, lots of fruits and vegetables, Um, One way to think about it is half your plate ought to be fruits and vegetables. And then the other half of your plate should be lean proteins, including plant-based proteins. So not every meal has to be um, one with uh, meat 
Um, um, fish is a good substitute. Chicken is a good substitute for um, 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 beef or pork. Um, and plant-based like soy, like legumes. Um, you know, I'm a, I'm a Dominican who can eat arroz con habichuela and be very happy. So rice and beans <laughs> are a nice, complete protein. And in yeah, this yeah. day and age, as compared to 20 years ago, there's all kinds of um, proteins available that are not uh, animal-based proteins. And then the other is complex carbohydrates. So while as a good Dominican, I love arroz blanco, white rice, um, a healthier way to eat oh. rice is uh, brown rice. Um, and eat okay. um, those kind of whole wheat versions. So, so, but, but let's be clear, a little bit of stuff that you love is not bad for you as long as in general on most days, you're eating um, at most meals that high number of fruits and vegetables, um, lean proteins when possible. Um, and I say when possible, because sometimes you go eat at your abuelitas or at your tios right. and your tias, and you don't, you, I learned from my parents, never be rude. You eat yeah. and enjoy. And, um, and then the next day, maybe you don't eat as much. Um, and, uh, um, and I love barbecue. I, I moved to Texas and had one thing I love is barbecue. Do I yeah. eat it every day? No. Um, but every now and then I do eat it. So fruits and vegetables, um, lean proteins, more plant than maybe you do now, plant-based proteins, and then complex carbohydrates. Reduce sugar, for sure. Reduce okay, saturated yeah. fats, for sure. And reduce the amount of salt in food. And one way to do that is to prepare food at home rather than buy it in restaurants or buy it already prepared. Love I love that. that. And last thing on nutrition, portion control. Do you believe in that? What is the right way to like portion our plate? So portion control, absolutely. So eating um, too much of some things more than others uh, is not necessarily, you know, eating, doing too much of anything except enjoying life um, is uh, yeah. too much. Um, yeah. But when it comes to food, um, calories do matter, but the, the quality of those calories does matter. And if, and, and again, um, I think one way to do portion control is um, uh, 10 inch plates rather than 12 inch plates. And in general, um, particularly at a, you know, at a almuerzo um, or a dinner, um, having half that plate be occupied by fruits and vegetables, about a fourth of that plate be occupied by lean protein most of the time, uh, plant-based proteins um, more than maybe you're used to. And remember, rice and beans are a complete protein. If you have rice and beans and are worried about, if you're worried about protein and you have rice and beans, you don't necessarily have to have a big piece of meat. Um, and then meat, um, as we've learned over and over, the size of a deck of cards is probably adequate protein okay. at any given meal and then complex carbohydrates. I hope that helps. And listen, yeah. one more thing. The one thing when I was giving advice um, as a clinician and then as a public health doc about one thing that a family could do to make a yeah. difference in their home with regards to health, um, take the sodas out of the refrigerator. Take mm -hmm. sodas out of the house. Now, that doesn't mean you don't eat drink sodas. If you have a party, have sodas. If you go to the restaurant um, um, every so often, have sodas. But sodas should not be the thing you drink when you're thirsty. Yeah. Water is a much, much better choice for everyone in the family.
Love that. Love that. That's great. Doc, you have been amazing. What would be like the best piece of advice that you could share with our generation? It could be about health. It could be about food, anything that you think will benefit our listeners today. One, um, one is going to be about health. And that's going to be, um, if you smoke, quit. If you don't smoke, don't start. Um, eat healthy. We already had a whole conversation about that. The DASH diet is a good place to start. Um, the Mediterranean diet is a good place Ooh. to start. And as if I've thought about my Latinidad, I encourage you to look up what's called a milpa diet. And milpa is a way of growing food, um, but it's a diet that's um, based in um, um, uh, uh, beans, um, uh, corn, and squash. And Ooh. what could be healthier than starting there? Um, and then of course, physical activity. I just think it's so important. If the way you do it is bailando merengue or cumbia, go for it. If it's walking with your neighbors, do it. Um, but uh, some physical activity. And the last thing I'd say is be prideful of your Latinidad. Um, mm. Serve as a role model or a mentor to those who are coming up behind us. I love, I love that. Thank you so much, Dr. Sanchez. You have been such a gift to us and our listeners today. And thank you for all the work that you do. And uh, thank you for being on our show today. It's been awesome. Gracias. Thank you very much. Um, I <laughs> enjoyed it thoroughly. <laughs> Gracias. Un beso you. and abrazo. Gracias. Cuídense. Igual. Igual. We hope you guys enjoyed that episode and got tons of information, as did we. Yes. Thank you again. And also make sure to check out the Life's Essential 8 over in the American Heart Association website, heart.org. Yes, and don't forget to like, subscribe, and comment. This helps us to bring you great conversations just like this to you every single week. Thank you so much for tuning in, and we'll catch you on the next episode. Bye, everybody.